All right, all right. I'm gonna try something a little. I'm a little different here. I'm. I'm I've got my. Uh, if you hear that? It's the mm-hmm. bottle opener. It's ready to go. How, tell me how this sounds. Damn near perfect. Ah, yes. Hello, once again, welcome back to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program, a podcast by bike racers for bike racers and all lovers of all kinds of bikes. We are here to speak to you and to each other about uh, heady, heady cycling-related topics. I'm Greg. Joining me, as always, as always, is my very good internet friend, Matteo. Hi, Matteo. Hey, Greg. <laughs> you sound you sound really chipper. I sound like I've got a bourbon in my hand. Because I do. <laughs> that is a yes. That is that I is a had, happy a happy a happy hand. I prefer my bourbon on the rocks. And I had a rocks related error in which I forgot mm. to make some. Oh, rocks, no. by the way, for just to educate our listeners, if you're an enthusiast of alcohol rocks are like a slang term for ice cubes oh wow i didn't know that <laughs> huh no that's really interesting <laughs> we're we're you, getting off to a good start we're getting off to a really good start i don't know what's uh, there's something there's something in that bourbon <laughs> I, th- I think it might be alcohol uh God willing. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've just uh, slumming it with my beer here. Okay. Well, maybe we should, maybe we should dive into some actual cycling related topics. I mean, you know, booze and ice. Well, actually, I mean, I just, I do have to know because I'm on the edge of my seat of what your resolution to the rocks problem was. Um, I I put a couple drops of very cold water into my bourbon. Huh. Huh, is that doesn't sound like it's the same thing? It's not. It's close. All right. Because what right. you want the you know you want the ice cubes to melt. You want it to make the bourbon cold, and then you want it to just like steadily water it down over the course of a glass. Though not too much. Not too much, but you want you know some flavors to be unlocked. Yeah. Well, as long as we're on the wor- Working Man's Honest Bourbon podcast, uh, <laughs> we should. It is it is said that uh, putting a a little drop of clean crisp water into into your whiskey can open up the flavors, expand the nose, as it were. I I even read an article, possibly in the New York Times style section, that people are doing that with wine now. Oh well, you know that if uh, <laughs> the New York Times style section, all the all the trends for all the very fanciest of people. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, there was there was the one in there that I actually saw because you retweeted it on Twitter that made me want to die. That was about like, oh yes, now teenagers are are a big part of the home buying process, and it's like all about people buying their fourteen million dollar apartments because based, yeah, based on the recommendations of like their their tweens. Yeah, because they're bratty little kids are like oh they've got a basketball court and it's a three thousand square foot apartment you know in in midtown manhattan it's like oh i hate you so much this this actually <laughs> fills me with such rage i'm just gonna like put the brakes on this conversation because otherwise i'm going into a dark place okay yeah let's talk bikes. A dark place 
Let's talk bikes. Well, I have a question for you then. Uh huh. To start off our next segment. Sure. You recently purchased a piece of bicycle equipment. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell me about that? Well, um, I now own a pair of uh, a, a pair, a, a set of carbon fiber two wheeler wheels of all things. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Which is new and different for me. And uh, who do I have to thank for that? <laughs> uh, you can thank me, and you can go ahead and thank our consultant slash correspondent on technical affairs, Ian Schmidt. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, what happens? So we. This seems like a good opportunity to maybe talk. A, I guess a little bit about uh, uh, getting getting race gear without spending outrageous quantities of your hard-earned money, right? Because so what happened is um, we were going back and forth on Twitter, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation went in this direction, but it was over. Uh, wheels and tubulars and and I was talking about how you know I just had my aluminum and I was maybe going to be on on clinchers for cyclocross uh, this year because I, I'm just so fed up with um, my totally terrible uh, velocity major tom aluminum tubulars by the way um, everyone if you're listening the velocity major tom don't buy that rim it's it's a piece of crap it's the <laughs> velocity major turd <laughs> uh yeah so and i was fed up with that and we were talking about that and anyway i ended up getting pointed to a number of hey you know you actually can get some light carbon race wheels for cheap as in you know we'll, I, I guess we can say sub 500 dollars well well under. well under yeah and part and part of the reason why i engage you in this conversation is because I've pretty much noticed that the going rate for used carbon fiber tubular race wheels is about 400 bucks. Right. Especially if you, yeah. And this is, if you don't want the latest and greatest technology, um, then, then you can get quite a steal. That's what happened. It, and, and I guess to finish the story, someone, uh, a guy around here on the Paceline forum had listed a set of, of wheels that were 23 millimeter wide. I, I've gone all wide rims, so that was important. 23 millimeter um, kind of generic <laughs> Chinese carbon uh, rims that were tubular, and they were listed for like $290. And, which is a great a great price. Which is a fantastic price. The the caveat, you know, the, the I say caveat, that's in scare quotes, is that they were in, um, they're, they're 10 speed only. And you can't change the free hub body. So if you want 11 speed, no good, right? But it's like, well, all my bikes are 10 speed. And here's some some perfectly good 10 speed wheels that are 23 millimeters wide. They're really light. And they're it's $300 for a thirteen mid-1300 gram wheel set. So emailed the guy, went over, bought them. And uh, yeah, now I have some carbon fiber wheels. I think, you know, a lot of us, I've I've had carbon tubulars for a number of years now, and definitely before I had them, they seemed like kind of the 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 ultimate vanity purchase. Because mm-hmm. first of all, like when I when I was kind of getting into it, um, 
carbon wheels were expensive. They were not always high quality. And uh, and they weren't ubiquitous. And still kind of delicate. At least that was their reputation. Yeah. Because we got into racing around the same time. I, what, 2008, mm-hmm. 2009? Yeah, or like 7-ish, 8-ish, 9 Yeah. For me, it was there. 2008. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was that was it. It really seemed very unattainable because, you know, the nice stuff was you know you'd have the guys on the zips, and you know right. someone would go by you with his you know two thousand dollar wheels going. <laughs> yeah, and and it's and and then the wheels like actually were two thousand dollar wheels. Oh yeah, yeah, and these are the old ones. These are the you know this was in the days that they still had they were still just like the V. Well, I, I guess mm-hmm. Zip had their previous shape, which is some kind of, I don't know, hi- hybrid toroidal, something like that. But, <laughs> you know, the, it wasn't their latest and greatest whatever. But right. they were still $2,000 plus. But now you can you can get a lot of these things for yeah. like a quarter of that or less. Yeah. And, you know, and also, you know, this part of the part of the skepticism from from years ago was, oh, what, like your bike race is really going to come down to a matter of millimeters. Hmm. And, and, and I, you know, heard this attitude and I eventually like got around to, you know, debunking it in my own head. Cause you know, you have enough races under your belt and yeah, you're going to have races that do come down to a matter of millimeters. But, uh, you know, car- carbon fiber has gotten, uh, for for wheels and tubular wheels a little bit more ubiquitous um which is not to say that like it's necessary to have them in order to do well but they're there there are lots of them in your local race and and on your local craigslist that you know it it doesn't seem quite so far-fetched and quite so ostentatious to have them anymore well well that's the thing actually we said but you know you don't you don't necessarily need them right uh, and and that's kind of the. I, I think that's where it's so easy to get hung up because there is this problem that we have where people do get the idea that like oh I need you know I can't race. I actually just saw um, a post on on the bike forums like today where someone was saying oh yeah well right now I'm riding around this um, 80s you know steel 12 speed bike that my dad had uh, that I went off to college with and. You know, he was saying, oh, yeah, I like it a lot. But he was saying that he's going to ride it around for a while. And then when he gets a new bike, you know, he'll join his his school's racing team and, and try and get into racing. You know, and and that's the thing that, that I it makes me a little sad to see where it's like, yeah, you know, you don't. That's OK. Like whatever. So what if you're riding around, riding around on a 12 speed bike with down tube shifters you know, in single pivot brakes, like if the brakes break and the wheels spin and the gears shift, like you're good to go, you know, so you're good. You can, you can pedal it and you can learn how to ride bikes. Yeah. Fast in in a racing paradigm. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's, so I want to emphasize, you know, we're all for that. And that's, that's super important. That's how I got my start was on, on a, you know, crummy old bike like that, because the differences are small, but but sometimes those small differences do matter, you know, and it's like I, I'd love to see us get a better balance between understanding that just putting a pair of snazzy 
carbon fiber wheels on your race bike isn't going to make you like three miles per hour faster. It's not even going to make you one mile per hour faster, but it is going to make you a little bit faster. And sometimes a little bit is all that you need. So, you know, when things get down into that threshold of, you know, because it used to be that at that, you know, three to $500 level that all you could get maybe was some nice aluminum wheels. Hell, I have a, I have a set of aluminum wheels that I've been riding for like five years. that was like 600 or $700 or something like, like that because of the, you know, fancy hubs on them. Mm-hmm. Um, not even carbon fiber, but you know, when you, when you hit that tipping point, it's almost like, geez, well, if you're going to spend that kind of money on wheels anyway, why not make them lighter and more aerodynamic? Yeah. So I don't know. That's my thought on it. Like, I think it's great. I'm really excited to to pay more attention now to these listings, you know. <laughs> and I'm excited to get my hands on, you know, actually, well, not get my hands on, but to actually go and, and race these things and see how see how they feel. I I definitely am going to be lining up for cyclocross with them. I've got I've got my cross tubulars all ready to go. I'm all set. I've got my tires. Uh, <laughs> I'm, Someone's eager a little bit early in the season. I am eager a little bit early. I can't wait for cross, man. I can't wait, especially because I'm going to be, you know, I've got uh, listeners may not know this, but I'm like in the midst of buying a house and then I'm going to be working my butt off to get it, you know, something I want to actually live in. Uh, well, you know, me and my wife together. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's going to curtail <laughs> some of my time uh, in the spring, but in the fall I can be fast and I want to have my fast wheels. But, you know, and I, I'm, I'm also waiting for supposedly, uh, Mr. Ian Schmidt technical correspondent has said he'll, he'll be sending along, I, I very kindly sending along some, some used road tubulars that he's got kicking around. So I, I look forward <laughs> to those arriving on my doorstep. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Nice. <laughs> Let this podcast be a reminder to our friend Ian Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why i said that in a funny voice probably because i'm drinking bourbon uh yeah that uh, often explains that sort of thing <laughs> so yeah and you know they're not zips um but they are pretty interesting pretty cool i'm i'm excited to to try them out so one of the things i like about the fact that you know you you just bought carbon fiber tubular race wheels is that some months back, we had a podcast about how you bought a power meter. And at yes. first glance, this could be this could be like, let's talk about all the expensive things that Greg's buying. And we don't <laughs> have to do that. I think the, you know, the important part is that like, A, you've been racing for a long time without these things that some people would consider like inseparable from the act of racing itself. Right. Um, and the other part being that you know, of of these two items that uh, are, I would say that, like, the, they're the main, other than, like, cumulative race fees or travel or a new bike, a power meter and race wheels are, like, the big expenses for a bike racer. Yeah, and I'd you bought the so. power meter first, and the, the power meter is the thing that actually makes you go faster, better for longer. In, in theory, anyway, if you use it right, if you train consistently, by the way, my, what my power meter is telling me is, hey, Greg, you aren't training consistently enough, <laughs> which which I knew. But when you see it in plain black and white in front of your face, it's a little, <laughs> it hurts a little bit. It's like, oh, <laughs> I, <Womp> OK, <laughs> I can't fool myself. 
you you can fool yourself but the the power meter is a really important training tool and yeah you know that's that's like that's buying information and race wheels buy a little bit of speed yeah oh and that power meter i'll tell you it was it's a cheap power meter it was a lot more expensive than those wheels mm-hmm. so you know and it was not an expensive power meter so yeah. that you know i mean that just shows you where it's at at this point because I hadn't even considered, I, I didn't even think that I was going to be on, on carbon fiber. You know, and it's it's weird because I'm, I am super into the tech. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm really interested in, in where things are going. And I think, you know, there's a lot of developments that I think are kind of stupid or questionable. <laughs> but, but overall, <laughs> you know, when it comes to bicycle technology, I'm really an optimist. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, in my own, in terms of what I purchase, I'm very, you know, I don't have... I have lots of priorities as far as, you know, where my paychecks go, like rent, for example, soon to be <laughs> a mortgage, you know, and, and, and food and, and, you know, I don't know, going out with my, my sweetie and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm reluctant to just dive into and, and, you know, blow all my cash on, on my bike stuff. And I still, sure. you know, I still, I still spend what feels like way too much money on bike stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see a lot of this stuff trickling down to the masses like me. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a coherent thought, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. And, and, uh, maybe I'll report back once I've actually raced on them. I, I, I'm a little bit nervous about, um, carbon fiber wheels in wet conditions. I've, I've never been happy about that. Um, when I've been, you know, you riding with people and it starts to rain, you know, if you're in a race or a century ride or something like that, you know, with the fast guys and, and someone goes to break and just nothing happens. And, <laughs> and, and over actually the years that I've been racing, uh, I I've noticed a distinct uptick, uh, in races when you're going down a hill of, of a certain, that, that kind of acrid smell of, uh, carbon fiber specific brake pads <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't get that smell um six seven years ago as as much and now it's unmistakable every race i'm in culturally speaking that smell is like the texting yeah the texting is yeah to our generation bike racers so yeah, I, I guess uh, I'm rambling a bit. So we can, you know, let's wrap it up. I think I think that's good. I've got wheels. It's it's exciting. You two can have carbon fiber race wheels for um, less money than you might think. You know, scour the various forums and uh, Craigslist and all that, and you might be pleasantly surprised. And and this is the working man's honest bicycle program. And you can you can take the working man's honest bicycle approach and say, I'm gonna try this out. Yeah, give and it it's, a shot. and I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not just gonna like buy in. Absolutely. Well, on that note. On that note. So, Greg, hey, you ever been bike touring? I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Actually, so bike touring is how I. It's, it's probably the original sort of enthusiast bicycle activity that I got into. Really? It's my gateway drug. Whoa. See, I did not know that. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I suppose that if you really go back, 
I was just always riding my my bike around like before I got my driving driver's license when I was still uh, in high school uh, and even a little bit before that when I would ride around I would say the block but I lived out in you know not even like a suburb like and not exactly the country you know bedroom community sort of distant exurb kind of kind of situation mm-hmm. where it wasn't a block but we had like some streets and a, a square formation you know and the whole thing was like <laughs> two miles if <laughs> you did the whole thing so you know I, I say block advisor but i'd ride around the block and and then later you know i didn't have my driver's license but i would go and if i needed to hang out with well i needed to hang out with my friends if i wanted to hang out with my friends i might uh especially because you know at that point in high school a lot of my friends were actually in a different town which was kind of serious business because um you know the next town over it's like you know six they might be six miles away they might be 10 miles away and i would go and, and ride down the the mup on my bike and and then i put that away a uh, uh, crappy bike too it was like a you know department store magna uh, junker uh, <laughs> but i just loved riding my bike and then i got my driver's license and blah 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 freedom american dream whatever um but I got to college, I didn't have a car there, and I, I went back to riding my bike everywhere, and eventually, I finally bought my first real bike shop bike, and it was a touring bike. It was a Miata 210, and it it sort of inspired me. It was like, oh, I you know, it's got a rack on it, and I could get some, some panniers, and me and my best friend, college roommate, uh, the summer after our first year in college we got on our bikes and we rode our bikes up into maine that's awesome (laughs) it was really great it was really cool yeah yeah um and it was it was exciting and it was sort of the first big like super independent thing that i think either of us had done and this was, you know, this was long enough ago. This is actually, it's kind of blowing my mind to say this. This is now 10 years ago this spring, <laughs> like this May, <laughs> which yeah. I cannot even believe. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start measuring your adult life in decades. It's, I know, it gets, oh God. The first time uh, is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was so cool because we went out and, and we camped in, you know, various town forests and things along the way. And um, this was before, this was before totally ubiquitous, like cellular data and everything. Like, yeah, I had, I had a janky, you know, Nokia flip phone. Uh, and half the time I didn't have service for it and we had paper maps and everything. So it was still, you're pretty... not, you're not exactly looking up like Yelp reviews of the nearest diner. On no. Nokia. No, so it was it was still, you know, it's it sounds kind of silly cuz it's only only 10 years, but you know, it sounds a little ridiculous to say it was a different time, but it kind of was. Totally was. It kind of was. So it, it's, you know, it, it was very very different than if I were to do something like that today. And anyway, you know, with that trip, um I developed for the first time um this knee injury that has plagued me um for a long time now. Maybe it was a different knee, actually. Oh, yeah, it was a different knee injury. But anyway, <laughs> a knee injury cropped up. We were planning to go to Canada and turn around and come back. Uh, and we made it as far as Mount Desert Island. Um, and and we, had to, we had to call my mom <laughs> to Aww. come drive up and get us. Because I couldn't pedal anymore. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that was a bummer, but we totally would have done it. It was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Um, so yeah, how about how about you? Did you done any bike touring? I've done uh, some bike camping, which that's you know the only real difference between bike touring and bike camping is you know, bike camping. Maybe you're just doing an out and back, yeah, rather than a, a more extended, either point to point or larger loop. But you know, I've I've had some really fabulous weekend trips with my sweetheart, where we turn our cyclocross bikes into touring bikes hmm. by virtue of clamping on a couple racks and putting some food and some sleeping bags and a tent in the panniers. And uh, there's a really nice feeling to, you know, straddling your bike and clipping in and pushing off and riding and thinking like, <laughs> right now, like everything I've got that my body is controlling, that's everything I need for like the next several days. Yeah, that was really a special thing, actually, was... was kind of getting together all this stuff it's like oh i've got a little camp stove and i've got a sleeping bag and i've got you know and really i had too i had too much stuff we we really took too much stuff um if i were to do it again i would pack much lighter Mm -hmm. but to yeah i kind of put put like a life on a bicycle and pedal away is really cool yeah you know and it's a very different it's very different from most of my bike life these days is you know focused on going fast and uh i'm much fitter now than i was then you know i was still a really skinny little kid but um <laughs> it was it was really hard to pedal a bike with you know the bike was 30 pounds and then there's you know 30 35 pounds of junk on it in, in addition to that it was uh you know it was it was tough to do a 50 mile day yeah you know, but it was great. And we did a couple of weekend, me and my, actually, I know he's listening. So hi, Ben. How you doing? I love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> had a lot of fun with you on those trips. Um, you know, we did a couple weekend trips because we, we didn't have time to do uh, a long trip after that. But we did do a couple weekend trips. We did a loop up into Vermont from Western Mass. And then we did a loop through further Western Mass from Western Mass uh, and back in, in subsequent years. And I really enjoyed those. I, I, I hope to do it again, actually. I really hope to do it again. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe if um, if uh, my lady gets more interested in riding, she might be interested in doing that. She likes camping. I don't know. No pressure, you know, but I'd like to, uh, <laughs> I'd love to do more of that stuff because I think it's fun. It's a really different way to see the countryside, you know, and your surroundings than maybe what most of us are kind of used to because we're sort of used to either seeing things at you know if we're if we're local sort of at walking pace and very very local pace or at sort of an automotive pace and you sort of speed by you know and i feel like i feel like doing a vacation at an automotive pace is very much like you sort of zoom along on uh this linear kind of pavement experience and then you see a landmark and you kind of pull off and then you're like oh you look at the landmark and then you know you're like this little bubble you know and then you kind of get back and and go along this <laughs> you know linear thing again and and when you're on a bike it's just much more expansive somehow even though you're you're probably not covering as much distance what's the uh what's of the several trips that you mentioned what uh what's the longest you've been like away from home 
in terms of days not like miles covered um probably seven days i think Mm -hmm. i think it was six seven days to uh basically we i think it was on the sixth day that about halfway through the day we we had turned a little bit we were on the main coast kind of which is actually fairly built up when you're in the southern part of maine and we'd turned inland a little bit and got more rural but more importantly it got a lot hillier and i started uh noticing knee twinges on that that sixth day and by the end of the day i i was like i don't think that i can <laughs> i don't think that i can ride my bike to canada <laughs> uh which sucked and and then on the seventh day you know it was it was kind of all we could do to to do the like 20 miles that remain to uh mount desert island yeah or so um so yeah about a week that's a bummer uh yeah it was a bummer i kind of wonder sometimes about because we were sort of about that sort of is a a demarcation point on the main coast of where, where things really start to get instead of being like touristy and built up and stuff, they start to get kind of wild and woolly past there. <laughs> uh, and that might wild have been... and woolly is a good way to describe those parts of Maine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would have been really interesting. Um, I don't know. Part of the thing about the, the, the touring that, that I realized on subsequent trips is um, I really like the touring part of it. And it, I even like the, I like the idea of it in terms of the finding your place, your little stealth camping spot, uh, you know, back from the road somewhere in the woods. But I, I'm I'm not actually like super into like sleeping in a tent in the woods and hearing strange animals outside in the middle of the night. That kind of freaks <laughs> me out. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's great, but it's also like it's it's it can be it can be a little scary. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I I don't know that I'm very interested in going on a longer trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's really awesome when I hear about people who've done like, oh, yeah, we, I went around the world or I went across the country and it took me three months or it took me two years. And I'm like, that's great. That's that's super awesome. Um, that's probably not for me. I think that the long weekend trips um, that I've done uh, were really my favorites. So that uh, reminds me of a really good story. Mm-hmm. which which might be a good a good note to go out on. We'll mm-hmm. see. I worked at a bike shop for a while here in Minnesota. And uh, one week there was a guy like hanging out at the shop a couple days. And we were we were packing up his touring bike and we were shipping it somewhere. That was that was a job. And you know, he was like just hanging out, chatting, having a good time. Yeah. I didn't know him. I didn't I didn't know his deal. So at a certain point, um, it came up in conversation that he was riding his bike across the country. And yeah. and that he does this every summer. Oh my god. Seriously. <laughs> um and and his bike was like an uh, you know, like a 15-year-old Cannondale touring bike. Mm-hmm. You know, like clearly had older parts on it. Clearly was a sturdy old station wagon that could that could stand up to you know a long time of of using it to ride across the country um and i I, when i sort of finally figured out who this guy was and what he was doing i said but well hold on a second we're um we're we're mailing your bike somewhere i thought you were riding across the what's going on and he said oh yeah well you know i've actually i've been doing this ride this is my 12th year 
uh, riding oh, my bike man. from east to west across the country. And so that means that I've ridden across North Dakota 11 times. <laughs> and that's like 10 times more than anybody should ever ride a bike across North Dakota. <laughs> so I'm just going to fly to Montana and pick up my bike there and go the rest of the way. <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, man. I'd like to shake that guy's hand. <laughs> that basically confirmed everything that I suspected about North Dakota, by the way. <laughs> You're going to. We're going to get some angry letters from our North Dakota listeners. <laughs> Oh, wait. Never mind. Never mind. Nobody lives in North Dakota. <laughs> Isn't Henry Kissinger from North Dakota? Ugh, that just goes to show you how terrible it is. Oh, maybe it's South Dakota, actually. I mean, whatever. Same difference. <laughs> <laughs> Angry letters. Angry letters. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I still love bike touring, but I, I'm not super interested in touring across the country. So I respect. I have a lot of respect for that guy. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like it. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that about sums it up for us tonight, don't you think? Yeah, I I, I think it does. I, <laughs> I think I think we are at the end, and the end is the end is here. The end is here. I you know we we had a good we had a good time. We had some laughs. Uh, few tears we i think i would we, i just we laugh i we love i would we feel good knowing that somewhere out there someone has just heard what we said and and thought to themselves oh yeah well that's that's good to make someone sense, has just heard what we said and and has nodded thoughtfully in agreement nodded nodded thoughtfully someone else Maybe. has just thrown their phone across the room <laughs> looked looked out over the waters and 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 thought about it a little bit. <laughs> so they, yeah, they're so steepling we're gonna... their fingers underneath their chin. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of night it's been. We're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Look, we it's it's Monday evening for us, but it's like I don't know Thursday morning for you. Maybe Sunday afternoon. You're listening to this. Whenever it is, you're listening to this. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program. You can uh, find us on Twitter at underscore WHBP. My name is Mattio, and you can find me, I, I do the tweeting, at underscore Mattio, M-A-T-T-I-O. And, uh, Greg, how about you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. I am at Grolby, G-R-O-L-B-Y. You can also email us, by the way, if you, you know, if you want, no pressure, it's cool, um, whatever, but... That address is honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. And, you know, we like hearing from people, you know, if you agree or you disagree, whatever. It's cool. Um, we're down with it. We're down to chat. DTC. Um, <laughs> that's us. <laughs> and uh, give us a rating on iTunes. And uh, visit visit our internet at www.standarddouble.com slash WHBP. And as always, thanks for joining us. Yeah, keep the rubber side down, folks. Good night. Good night. Good night.